Thank you, Lord, how you... Well, you've promised, Father, that you inhabit the praises of your people. You dwell there. You live there. You're just a prayer or a praise away. We thank you for that. Father, I pray that you'd help us to continue to have an attitude of praise and worship, an attitude of prayer as we continue our study of your word. Lord Jesus, as we look at what you had to say to your disciples and most definitely what you have to say to us today as your disciples, Lord, we ask that you would teach us today. Father, I pray that you would help us by your mighty power to cast down every imagination, every argument that exalts itself against your knowledge and to bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. Father, we ask that you would renew our minds. Lord, if we have any kind of belief or philosophy or thoughts that are contrary to your word, we ask that at this time as we look into your word, Lord, that you would search our hearts, that you would free us, Lord, from, from any misconception or any false doctrine. Father, that you would establish us in the faith, in the gospel, in your word, which is truth. We ask and pray that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would minister to your people today as we look into your word, and Lord, that you would comfort them. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to John's Gospel, chapter 14. We'll attempt to finish this chapter. We're not in a hurry, right? Well, if you remember in chapter 13... Just to recap quickly, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. They are bickering about who's the greatest. And dinner being finished, he stands up from the table. He takes off his robe and he girds himself with a towel, which is what servants wore in that day. He fills a basin full of water and he kneels down and begins to wash the disciples' feet. No doubt they were amazed. More than amazed because as he makes his way around the table, he comes to Peter and Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? You're kidding. And he says, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part in me, no part with me. He says, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands, my head. Hey, I'm ready for a bath. (laughs) And he says to Peter, he that has been washed needeth not but his feet to be washed. You're clean already, Peter. But he says, not all of you. And then he begins to tell the disciples that one of you will betray me. And they all begin to wonder, who? Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And John was sitting close to Jesus, leaning on his bosom. And Peter motions to him and says, hey, ask him. We, we want to know who it is. And he says, it's the one who takes the bread that I hand to, that I dip. And he dips it and hands it to Judas and says, what you're going to do, go do it quickly. Judas leaves into the night, and Jesus says to them, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Then he tells them, I'm going to leave. As I told the Jews, I'm going to depart, and where I'm going, you can't go. You can't go with me. 
And they were troubled in their heart. They were saddened. They had given up three years of their life to follow him. They have forsaken everything. And now he is going to leave. He's going to go away. And Jesus begins to deal with that issue in chapter 14. And he says this in verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. And then he begins to give the disciples specific reasons why they should not let their heart be troubled. And I want to review quickly as we make our way down to, I think, around verse 12 where we ended up. The first thing Jesus says is, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. So Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in me as you believe in the Father because, hey, you've got a home in heaven. Number one, here's a reason, if you need a reason not to let your heart be troubled, you have a home in heaven. Reason number two, I'm going to prepare that place for you in heaven, and if I go to prepare that place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There's this thing that we believe in called the rapture. He says, I'm coming back. This is the the first reference in the gospel where Jesus says, I'm coming back for you. Another reason not to let your heart be troubled. Well, he continues on down. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How in the world can we know the way? Reason number three, four, and five. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He says, listen, guys, don't be troubled at what I'm telling you because you have a home in heaven. I know. I left there and I'm going back and I'm, I'm preparing that I'm securing that place for you and I'm coming back for you so that you can be there with me forever. And here's how you're going to get there. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Well, another disciple says, well, show us the Father. And he says, reason number six, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I've got a home in heaven. We have a home in heaven. Any moment now, I pray it's during this teaching time that we are taken with him to spend eternity with him. He's the way. I don't have to search. I don't have to map quest. I don't need it. I don't need GPS. I don't need a compass. He's the way. He is leading me to that place that he's prepared for me, that he's prepared for you. I'm not searching and wondering and longing and worrying and making sure my coordinates are just right. And, you know, I'm not charting a course. A way has been made. I'm not searching for the truth and wondering what is life all about and what's going on in this world and what's this world coming to and why am I here? I know the truth. So I don't have to be troubled in my heart. And I'm not bound by death, hell, or the grave. I've been given eternal life. So he's my life. And I don't have to wait to get to heaven to know the Father. I know him. You know him if you're born again this morning. Don't be troubled. Look at at all of this, Jesus says. Well, he picks up in verse 12. He kind of, well, I'm going to read verse 11 because, well, I'm going to read verse 10. 
No, no, I'm just kidding. In verse 10, he's, he's, he's answering Philip, and we just briefly touched on this. He says, in verse 10, he says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father? Now, this is singular. He's speaking to Philip here. In verse 10, he's saying, Philip, don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? And the words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. He's the one working through my life. What you see, the blind eyes, the lame legs, the dead raised, walking on water, turning water into wine, five loaves, two fishes, feeding 5,000. All of these things, Philip, the Father's doing in me. The God of the Old Testament, Jehovah Himself is doing the works in and through me. So he says singularly, Philip, don't you believe this? Now, plural, in verse 11, believe me. He's speaking to all the disciples. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. Believe me that I am in the Father. He asked the question in verse 10, do you believe, Philip? And now he's giving a command, believe, believe me. That I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. If, if you can't believe for any other reason, this is amazing because there are those who think all oh, this stuff is just myth and stories. Well, these myths and stories, they say, Jesus uses to confirm who he is. Interestingly, either he's crazy. Or the very works that we read in the gospel were true because he looks to his disciples and says, hey, if you can't believe on anything else, believe the blinded eyes, believe the lame legs. You guys have seen this. If you can't believe for any other reason, Philip, you can at least believe that, can't you? Then he blows their mind and it really blows my mind because he says in verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Whoa. The one who believes on me will do greater works. And I believe Jesus is saying here, greater in quantity, not quality. I'm not going to do greater works than him in a quality standpoint. But see, I am not alone now. I am part of and a member of the body of Christ. Jesus is still here on this earth in a body. The body of Christ. And he says, look guys, what I'm talking to you about, and he's, we're, going to, we're going to continue this thought, this vein, you're going to be doing greater works than me. What, 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 the reason I'm going away, there's a reason, there's a purpose, and there, there are benefits that are going to be a result of me going away. The stuff that you've watched me do over three years, they're going to be multiplied. They're going to be magnified. The day of Pentecost, Peter preaches in thousands. I mean, there were multitudes of people that followed him, for fish and chips. There were 70 that he sent out. There were 12 true disciples, apostles. One betrayed him. There were three that were in the inner circle. There was one that made it to the cross. 
He says, greater works you're going to do. And there are miracles after miracles after miracles. I, I don't know that we could, we could chronologically, we couldn't put together in book on paper all the miracles that have been done since his resurrection. And the men and the women that he has used all over this globe in powerful ways. There are, there are, there are amazing missionary testimonies. Miracles that you and I have only read about that take place in, in some places that some of us, probably me, would never even go. But men and women that God has called to those places, there are testimony after testimony how God has used them in powerful, amazing ways. And so Jesus says, you're going to do greater works than these. Now, there are those who hear something like that and think, well, I've got to go do something. But we don't do the work. If you remember, as we studied through Mark's gospel, we get to the end of it. Jesus says, go into all the world. And then, he, and then it says here at the very end, he says, and the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. So it's the Lord continuing to do the work. It's, it's his body. It's his body still doing the work. We're told in one of the epistles that it is God that worketh in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Zechariah 4, 6 says, It's not by might, one man, nor by power, many men, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And that's what he's about to talk about. So he says, hey guys, this going away from me is just just really going to get good for you. And here's what he says in verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. What a promise. Now, many have taken this promise and thought, hey, Aladdin. I dream of genie. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. That's not what he's saying. Now, I also understand that when we pray... Most of the time, we conclude our prayers with, in Jesus' name, amen. I feel comfortable doing that. It's a reminder of me, of what Jesus is saying, but it's not necessary. We don't have to necessarily do that. It's, it's, I really don't think that's exactly what Jesus was talking about here, although that's what I do. It's a great reminder. But I don't think Jesus is saying, Father, give me a pink Cadillac as long as I say it in Jesus' name. That's not even in style anymore, is it, Cadillac? (laughs) Hummer! Uh, That takes up too much gas. Little smart car. I saw a guy in one of those this morning. He filled the thing up. It was the funniest thing. It was was the littlest one. i got to get off of that. But it's the littlest one I've ever seen. And he's in the turning lane. And it it looked like there must have only been one seat in it because he just filled the whole car up. It was just like a little car wrapped around a man. (laughs) I can see us doing that. He says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. I will do it. What does he mean if I ask in his name? Because I'm sure every one of us have asked the Lord for something and didn't get it. Have you ever asked for a prayer and it didn't get answered? 
I'm the only one? Oh, there's, there's a few of you. <laughs> what does he mean if you'll ask anything in my name? Well, it's interesting, this name of Jesus. As oftentimes in the Bible, names are very, very important, especially to the Jews in the Old Testament, to the Hebrew culture, because a name represented the person. Not like my name. My first name is Gordon because I had a grandfather named Gordon. And I guess mom and dad couldn't think of anything better. It was just easy to go, hey, that's a name we use. Give him Gordon. You know, we do those kind of things. Well, what sounds good together, you know? Well, I like this name. Well, what would be good? What would be a middle name? They didn't do that. Now, God the Father in heaven chose out of all the names that could be used. Think about it. He could have used any name. He could have made up a name. Matthew 121, he says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Yeshua in the Hebrew. Translated into the Greek, Jesus, which is translated to Jesus. We use a J. For he shall save his people from their sins. He's the Savior. That's why we call him Jesus. That's what his name means. That is who he is. It's his person. It's his character. It's who he is. And so I come to the Father asking based on the character, the person, the nature, the will of my Lord. Well, Gordon, can you prove that? Well, let's finish the verse. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that. Here's why. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. So the focus The goal of Jesus' prayer and life was what? I only do those things that please the Father. I only say those things that please the Father. The Father said on three different occasions, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm pleased with what He does. I'm pleased with who He is. So now I ask and pray in His name, in who He is. Jesus says, well, in in, in the New Testament, the epistles, we're told by John, if... Here's the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, Jesus says this, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, because it's in prayer that my desires are their purest. As I'm just out and about and distracted by the things of the world, my desires can get off kilter. But When I get alone in my quiet time in the presence of God, he says, whatever you ask at that time, at that moment in his presence, I'll do it. Why? Because it's there that my desires, my focus, my goal is for him to be glorified. I'm in his presence. So that's what he's saying. Whatever you ask. Yes, I'm going to be distant from you in bodily form because you're going to take my place and become my body on this earth, my representation, my physical representation on this planet. That's what we are. That's that's amazing. Jesus Christ abides on this planet in a physical body today. We make up that body, those of us who believe. And he says, if you ask anything, I'll do it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it, verse 14. So another reason not to let your heart be troubled, the privilege of prayer. He is just... One request away. And I come in his name. 
Gordon Keaton doesn't come before the throne of grace. Not on your life. You, would, you wouldn't get me to get anywhere close to God in my own name. Put a gun to my head, if you will, I wouldn't do it. Because no man can approach that throne and live. I'm a sinner apart from Christ. But in His name, I'm ushered to come boldly, just run all up in there. (laughs) Oh, man. Father! Just like my sons do. It doesn't matter if I'm studying. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I'm praying, hey, Dad, Dad, Dad. Hey, get. They, don't, they don't wait to see what I'm doing. They don't wait to see if I'm on the telephone. They, they, don't, they don't ask all of that. They just barge right in. Hey, Dad. Because I'm Dad. And that's what I get to do. That's what you get to do. Not, um, no, no. Father, the Spirit within us, who we're about to talk about, if I can wait, he cries, Abba, Father. He's saying, Daddy, Dad, all the time in me. He's saying, Dad, Dad. And if I'll ever stop long enough, get quiet long enough, I can hear it. Father. And next thing you know, I'm saying, Father. Oh, Father. Here's what he says, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. There's a lot of people who will say, Gordon, you can't preach grace. You preach grace, those folks will go wild. They'll be smoking and cussing and carrying on and doing all kinds of things. That grace stuff, you've got to keep them in line. You've got to beat the sheep. That's the only way to keep them in line. Well, first of all, I don't find it here. But I, I got saved in a legalistic church. bit my fingernails off worrying week to week whether I was going to lose my salvation. Strove and strived and done everything possible. Talked right, looked right, dressed right, acted right, worried constantly. Is God pleased with me? Is God pleased with me? And you know what? It didn't work. Because the harder I tried to be good, the nastier I got. The more I tried not to think certain things, the more my mind was filled with that stuff. The more I tried to talk right and act right, the more my flesh cut up. Paul found that to be true in Romans chapter 6. The thing, I mean, Romans chapter 7. He says, things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? He says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. And then in Romans 8, just burst out like, like a sunbeam from a storm. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, I live the life I live. You live the life you live. We live the life we live, not because God's going to zap us if we don't. Not at all. I do it because I love Him. I love Him. That's why I do it. As a matter of fact, as in chapter 13, Jesus said, this is the only way that the world can measure that you love me. Because you love one another. This is the only measure of discipleship. He said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. Now this is the only measure Jesus is talking about, whereby you can know that I love him. I can begin worship and say, I love you, Lord. We don't sing that song, that's real old. And I lift my voice. I can say that all I want. 
Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's no different with us. You ladies wouldn't have a guy who just, love you, honey, and never showed it, never did anything for you, treated you awful and terrible. Well, I told you I loved you. Jesus says, love is measured by what you do, not really what you say. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so as you come here and you worship the Lord as we collectively worship Him, and as we make our way through the Scripture, verse by verse, week by week, you learn more of Him, you see Him for who He is, you begin to fall more and more in love with Him, and next thing you know, you aren't talking like you used to talk. And next thing you know, the things that used to make you mad aren't making you mad like they used to. And the idiot that cuts you off on the street, you're going, oh Lord, bless him, keep him from getting killed today. I mean, instead of... Showing him he's number one and, and all of those kind of things. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's grace that draws a sinner to Christ. It's his love and grace. You sorry, no good for nothing sinner. Why don't you get your life right? It don't work. He can't. You couldn't. I couldn't. Why does the church tell sinners, you need to stop talking like that? No, you need to get saved. I'm not worried about how you talk. I don't care what you smoke. I don't care how long your hair is. I don't care how you dress. You need Christ in your heart and life. And that's all you need. And once that takes place, we will disciple you and He will change everything that needs to be changed within your life. He'll take care of that. Church I grew up in, Long hair was a style. I had long hair back then. What was so funny? Y'all trying to imagine me with long hair? But there was a guy who played the drums. And they, they forced him to quit playing drums on stage because he had long hair. Within a couple of years, he was no longer at the church. And to my knowledge, I don't even think he goes anywhere today. Was Jesus worried about his long hair? You know... I think Jesus had long hair. <laughs> would those same folks would have said, if you love me, it's, it's love, guys. Never forget. Don't let the world, don't let the enemy tell you that it's anything other than love. God is a God of love. He loves me. And all he asks for me is to love him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And in that relationship, he does the supernatural that I can't do in and of myself. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Notice he didn't say, you'll keep men's commandments. Because it's men who tell you how to look, how to dress, what you can have, what you can't have. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Verse 16. And then Jesus says this. And not only all of that. Here's another reason not to let your heart be troubled. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. What a beautiful proof of the Trinity here in this one single verse. I, Jesus speaking, I will pray the Father, Father God in heaven, and he will give you another comforter. 
And we'll find out in a minute that he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in one verse. And folks say, well, the Bible don't teach Trinity. If you read it, it does. It's right there. This word another in the Greek is A-L-L-E-N. It means of the same kind. Jesus is saying, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you another just like me. And He's going to abide with you forever. He's never going to leave you. Forever. Now this word comforter here in the Greek is parakletos. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. It means a helper. It means one who comes alongside to help, to aid. Here's what Jesus calls him. Wait a minute, before we move on. I want to ask your permission. I'm going to do it anyway. But I want to kind of go through the, the, the Scripture real quick. You don't have to follow on with me. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. The Holy Spirit has inspired this book, and we're going to talk about that too. But it's interesting about him. He, he doesn't say much about himself. He's, he's, he's always talking about Christ. He's always exalting the Lord. And so there's, there's those times in the Scripture, and I want to slow down here, and we might not finish this chapter, but I want to slow down here because he doesn't mention himself very often in the Scripture. And so when he does, I think it's important for us to slow down because although he is not the focus of the church, Jesus is, and he would, the Holy Spirit would tell you the same, he is so necessary and so vitally important in our lives and in our relationship with the Lord. And, and so many people, believers, make the mistake of saying it. Like the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is God. He is absolutely, positively God. God the Father is just as much God, no more, no less, than God the Son. God the Son is no more, no less God than God the Holy Spirit. We serve one God, one Lord. In Genesis, as we've studied, in Genesis chapter 1, Elohim is the plural form in the Hebrew for deity. Let us make man in our image. He's not speaking of the angels. He's speaking of the Trinity. In in Genesis chapter 1, Verse 2, we read this. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. At creation, the Holy Spirit was there, creating all that there is. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is God. In the beginning, God created. John chapter 1, we've studied through John. John tells us of Jesus. All things were made by Him, the Word. So you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at creation. Omnipotent. In Psalm 139, well, passed it twice. Psalm 139. He's not only omnipotent, he's omnipresent. Verse 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Where can I go from the Holy Spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? The Holy Spirit is omnipresent, just like God is. He's everywhere, all the time, at once. He's in, e- he's in eternity past, 
He's in the present. He's in eternity future. He is here. He's in Texas. He's all over the world. He's in China. He's everywhere. All at one time. The Holy Spirit. Not a it, a he. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. says this, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. He's omniscient. In the Old Testament, we're asked, Who can know the mind of God? No man can know the mind of God, but the Holy Spirit searches the very deep things of God. Every thought, everything that God knows, the Holy Spirit knows it. He knows everything. He is everywhere. He is all-powerful. He knows all things. He is God. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, through the eternal Spirit, Offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. He's eternal. The Holy Spirit is eternal. Acts chapter 5, last verse. It's interesting what Peter says here. Time for a new Bible. These pages are sticking together. Acts 5, verse 3. But Peter said unto Ananias... Ananias and Sapphira, we're going to get there pretty quick. He says, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own, in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart that thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God? So may there be no mistake among us that the Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus is God, as the Father is God. He is God. Absolutely, positively God. And Jesus calls him this, even the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it Seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You know the Father, and not only do you know the Father, Jesus says, you know the Holy Spirit. You know him. Why would I be troubled when the very Spirit of God abides within me? He knows everything. He says, You know him, in verse 17, he dwelleth with you, notice this, with you, and shall be in you. Now, there are are three Greek words that help us understand the function and the operation of the Holy Spirit in the lives of men and women. The first one here is this word with, verse 17, For he dwelleth with you. The comforter, the Greek word we mentioned earlier, parakletos, comes from para. 
It means alongside. It's where we get the English word paramedic. And so Jesus says, he's with you, a paramedic. What does he do? He comes to alongside of you at the scene of an accident. He is a helper called alongside of you, a paramedic. And Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you and just leave you alone. I'm going to send the comforter, the parakletos, the one who's going to come alongside you and aid you and help you. He's going to be with you all the time. And I think, goody, goody, goody. But it gets better. Jesus says to the disciples, now, he's been with you all this time. The Holy Spirit comes alongside, I believe, every man, woman, girl, and boy on the face of this planet. You don't have to be born again to know the parakletos alongside of you. He is constantly, if you're not saved this morning, he may have already been touching at your heart this very morning, calling you, pulling you, wooing you. He's alongside of you. He's, he's trying to urge you. He will not violate your will. But he will do everything other than that to try to get you to come to Christ and to surrender. He's come alongside of you to help you, to aid you in the things pertaining to God. And Jesus says, he shall be in you. In the Greek, it's en. It means in. En is where we get our English word enter. So when you and I are born again, when we receive Christ, when we place our faith and trust in Him, the parakletos that has been alongside of us, helping us, bringing us to that place, now enters in. At the moment I'm born again, He comes in. That's how I'm born again. My spirit is reborn. It was dead, and now the Holy Spirit dwells in me, in you, and we're alive. And we're not going to talk about this part now, but I am going to mention it. There is one other, and it's epi, or epi, E-P-I, which means upon. It's where we get the English word epidermis. It's where we get the word skin. It covers us completely. So the Holy Spirit will come upon us to empower us to be a, a witness to the resurrection of Christ. It's what Jesus was referring to. He says, greater works than I do, you're going to do. And so the Holy Spirit, this paraclete, this comforter, interesting that that he would be called a comforter. Of all things that the Holy Spirit could be called. And I'm taking this time because the Holy Spirit has gotten a bad rap for many, many years. He really has. It, It breaks my heart to see it take place within the church. Because Jesus is saying, it's best for me to go because, hey, the comforter's coming. I'm going to pray the Father. He's going to give you the comforter. So when Jesus says to you and to me, to his disciples, you need the Holy Spirit. It's important. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for Bread, would you give him a stone? Or if he asked for fish, would you give him a serpent? He said, how much more would your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask? In Luke, he specifically says that. So how how do I receive the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, the moment I'm saved, the Holy Spirit comes and abides in me. How am I empowered by the Spirit? How does this epi, epi, take place? I simply ask. 
Father, I want you to fill me with your spirit. I want to be filled with your spirit, so I simply ask. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. That word in the Greek literally means orphans. Fatherless. I'm not going to leave you fatherless. I'm not going to leave you alone. It's the spirit of adoption, Paul says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I know that I'm born again because the Spirit bears witness in me that I'm a child of God. I just know. How do you know? I know. Are you sure? Absolutely. How? The Holy Spirit. I received Christ. I I know what he did. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. How is Jesus coming? The scripture tells us he dwells in my heart, in your heart, in our heart by faith, by the Holy Spirit. Christ dwells in me right here, right now, by the Spirit. This comforter. He says, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me. You're going to see me. You're going to know I'm there. Because I live, ye shall live. You're going to live. At that day, what day? The resurrection. When I rise, at that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Why do you people stay in Bible study? Well, here's why. Jesus says, if I will keep his commandments... He's going to manifest himself to me. Behold, I come in the volume of the book. Jesus says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life, and they are they that testify of me. As I look into this perfect law of liberty, I'm beholding the face of Christ, and the Holy Spirit is changing me to be more like him. I'm going to manifest myself. Judas says unto him, well, well Lord, why? Or how is it that you will manifest yourself to us, but not unto the world. That don't seem fair. Got to love that big heart, I guess. Jesus says, if a man love me, he will keep my commandments. It's as simple as that. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So obedience flows from love, not law. It flows from love, not law. And my Father will love him, And we, we will come unto him and make our abode. That word abode there is the same word in verse 2 for mansions. Think about that. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. I'm preparing a place for you. And so here's what's taking place. When I get saved, when I got saved, when you got saved, if you get saved... Christ is preparing a place in heaven to dwell with Him eternally. But until then, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open that door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. So there's this arrangement that's taken place. As I have accepted him, he now lives in me. On this earth, this is his house. Know you not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? So he lives in me until one day I'm going to check out this body. Can't wait. No more aches and pains. No more ugliness. I'm going to check out of this body and I'm going to be glorified as Christ is glorified. And I'm going to see Him as He is and I'm going to be changed just like that. And I'm going to enter into 
that mansion, whatever that is. I don't know what that looks like. I, I, I almost want to believe that it's not a big, nice house with a, with a, a U-shaped driveway and, and all the security system. I want to think this mansion that he's talking about is a glorified body just like his. I'm going to be just like him. I'm going to see him. We're going to see him. We're going to make our abode. He's going to, how can you let your heart be troubled? You got a home in heaven. I'm making a place for you. I'm coming back for you. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You know the Father. You know the Spirit. He's going to comfort you. I'm going to manifest myself to you through my word. Me and the Father and the Spirit are going to live inside of you. Unless you can get away from yourself, you can't get away from God. He that loveth me not, verse 24, keeping not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things I have spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. So there's no doubt about who this Comforter, who Jesus is talking about. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, another likened to myself. He is going to testify of me. I hear a lot about meetings and and, and worship times, and, and the Holy Spirit is just promoted, promoted, promoted. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Getting ahead of our study, but Jesus is going to say, the Holy Spirit will testify of me. He comes in my name. So when the Holy Spirit comes to you, he'll say, Joe, I am the Holy Spirit representing Jesus Christ. Not, I'm the Holy Spirit. Would you like to look at my business card? I'm omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. Glorify me. He doesn't do that. So if a man or a woman is filled with the Holy Spirit, they will testify of Christ. It is the single reason that he has given me of his spirit. Not so I can jump a pew. Not so that I can scream, holler, or yell. And I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody's way of worship. But the reason he has filled me with his spirit is so that I will testify of Christ. That I will be a witness to the resurrected Lord. That's the reason. That's the purpose. That's why he does it. He's he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to come in my name. And he, not it, he, he has a mind. He has a mouth. He can be grieved. He, he, he. He shall teach you. You ever wished you could afford a tutor? So that you could learn some things? You ever felt like, I'm just too old to go back to college. But I'd love to learn about this, that, or the other. Have you ever said, I wish I knew more about the Bible? Hmm. He will teach you. You have a personal Tutor, 24-7, 365 days out of the year as a believer. He is ready always to teach you the Word of God. He's the author of the Word of God. He will teach you all things, and not only will He teach you. See, it's one thing to be taught. Many of you have degrees. Some of you have more than one degree. But, But many of you, probably most of you, have forgotten a whole lot of what you've learned. 
because this brain cannot, can't comprehend. And, and so some of you are saying, yes, yeah, so why don't you cut this message off real quick because I've lost you about 15 minutes ago. <laughs> Our brain can only comprehend so much. And so Jesus says this comforter, this Holy Spirit, He is going to teach you, Gordon. And you know that problem that you have? That you forget all the stuff that you get taught? I got that covered. I've got that taken care of. Not only will He teach you all things, He will bring all things. Not some things. You know, you only retain, you know, 20%, 15%. All things. 100% of what He teaches you, Gordon... He will keep that 100% within you, ready at His will to bring back when you need it. I don't know how to be a witness. Freely have received, freely give. I'm convinced if we would just open our mouth more often about Christ, it would just flow. It would just pour out of us. So what is my job? As a teenager, I, I, I took this verse and it just, it just jumped off the page. And I thought, okay, so all I got to do is devour this book. That's my job. I just stay in these pages constantly. And what will he do? He's going to teach me whatever I'm reading. And he'll bring it back when I need it. And he's done it. He's been so faithful to do that with me. He does it sometimes when I'm up here teaching. I had one of those ha-ha moments. Uh, Roger came to me after service last week and said, I saw something happen to you up there. It kind of just a light went off. I said, yeah, it did. It wasn't in my notes. Boom, there it was. I love that when that happens. I, I run to the house and, and put it back in my notes. They, oh, yeah, next time I'll have that. He brings it back. There's been times when people have asked me questions, when I'm counseling, when I'm praying for somebody, when I'm encouraging someone, the Holy Spirit will bring back a verse, an example, a scripture. He'll bring it back to your remembrance. Whatsoever things I have said unto you. See, it was revelation. There's there's the word revelation, the word inspiration, and and, and, and there's this whole idea of illumination in the Scripture. Revelation is the process when the Holy Spirit spoke God's very word, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. If you have an NIV Bible, it's translated God breathed. It literally means God's very word was revealed unto man. It was by revelation that God's word was given. Inspiration is that process where the Holy Spirit, in, in 2 Peter where, where the Holy Spirit moved men as they penned those very words. So it's the whole idea of teaching and bringing back to remembrance. So God spoke to Moses. This is what I have to say. And then the Holy Spirit come alongside of Moses to make sure Moses didn't forget and didn't make sure that Moses didn't put his own thoughts and words in there, moved him as he wrote God's word. And illumination is what Jesus is talking about here. This is given by revelation and inspiration. And now as I get into it, With a prayerful heart, looking for the truth of God, the Holy Spirit illuminates His Word. That's those moments where it just jumps off the page. Every verse doesn't jump off the page. That's why I say keep reading it. That's why I encourage people, pick a place, read through, over and over and over again. Well, I don't remember everything I read. So what? I don't remember what I ate last week, but it did me good. You don't have to remember everything. 
but my body pulled from those resources. And I got a little <laughs> left over for it to pull from today, from, from months back. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He will bring back to your remembrance. I want to say one other thing about the Holy Spirit before we move on. And we're probably going to cut it off right there. Of all, there's so many emblems in the scripture for the Holy Spirit. He is oil. He is wine. He, you know, he is a seal. He is the earnest of our inheritance. But he's represented as a dove. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is being baptized. And it says, The heavens were opened unto him, and the Spirit of God descending upon him as a dove. Now, God could have used any kind of example in the Scripture. He's God. But he, he chose a dove. Now, I, I, I have a bird feeder in my backyard. I, I love watching birds, different kinds of birds. But doves are unique. They're interesting. They're the most gentle creature that I, I think I've ever witnessed before. I mean, they're, you, can, you can scare one like that. No one is afraid of a dove. I hope there's, unless you have some kind of, whatever the word for birdophobia, unless you have some kind of, you know, crazy fear about birds in general, no one is afraid of a dove. You can't get close enough to a dove to get afraid of it. He will, he'll go away. When they land, it's kind of a, I mean, they don't do nothing, you know, and that's the Holy Spirit. And I say this because there are Christians, because of what they've seen, because of what they've heard, maybe what they've experienced, they've got this idea that, oh, I don't know about the Holy Spirit. And they get this, they start thinking, you know, Friday the 13th and, and, and weird kind of stuff and poltergeist. They get these weird hang-ups and thoughts. Now, I'm going I'm to be the first to say, some fools have behaved in weird ways, and blamed it on the Holy Spirit. And I want to testify this morning, it wasn't Him. It wasn't Him. He's a dove. He's a dove. Not a buzzard. He ain't picking on folks, waiting for you to... Mm, He's not a hummingbird. <laughs> You're trying to keep up with him. And, he, and I know people who, who kind of live that kind of Christian life because they got this mentality. It's what the Holy Spirit did. He's a dove. He's not an eagle. He don't, he don't swoop down, take you and make you do. He doesn't do that. He's not a screech owl. And he, he's a dove. He's a dove. And believers sometimes, they're like, I don't... I don't I'm not going to ask God to fill me with the Spirit because I don't want to do something. You're not. I've heard about this and I've heard about that. I know I have too. It breaks my heart. But I can assure you, based on the Word of God, I can assure you based on my experience, if you're into experiences, not that that means anything, the Holy Spirit has never, never done anything in me, to me, or through me that I would call weird. He just, it, this is the Spirit of God we're talking about. So I just want to encourage you. Don't let stuff that you've heard, seen, keep you from desiring to be filled with God's Spirit. Keep you from desiring to be used by God's Spirit in whatever way He chooses to do so. 
We don't have time to go there, but if you want to go to Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, chapter 14, some of the gifts and the administration of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, meaning I'm still, I'm still the one running this ship even though the Holy Spirit works through me. He's not going to pick me up and make me say things or do things or spin like a top or disrupt a service or any. He just doesn't do that. He doesn't interrupt sermons. I've gotten some arguments with some, some family over that one. We had a great service. Preacher didn't get to finish his sermon. Holy Spirit moved. Really? Either the preacher or the person in the pew missed God. Because God's not the author of confusion. He's not going to interrupt himself. The Holy Spirit. Okay. i got to move on. We're just going to drive a stake right here because I don't want to rush through the peace, which is the final thing that Jesus says he gives us so that our heart's not troubled. We don't have reason for our heart to be troubled. We really don't. We we all experience trials, tribulations. In this life, we're going to have trouble, the Scripture says, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. Let God comfort you this morning. And not just this morning, but tomorrow and the next day. Receive that comfort. Allow these things that Christ has given you. They're yours if you're a believer. And they can be yours today by becoming a believer. Let those comfort your heart. The Spirit of God that dwells in you is the comforter. It's what He wants to do. So if you're in knots, know that the Holy Spirit wants to untie that today. He wants to let you be able to breathe. He wants you to be at peace. He wants you to rest. He doesn't want you, you know. He's the Holy Spirit. And if you are born again, God dwells in you by Him and through Him. What? Could, could, could anyone have imagined anything greater than the things that we are studying in the Word of God? Could a man had devised this plan, there is no way. His benefits are just beyond comprehension. I want to encourage you today. Be comforted. Don't be troubled. Enjoy the blessings of God. Allow His Spirit to flow through you, work in you, to teach you. As you do your quiet time and pray, ask the Father. He's not going to give you a serpent. No. He's not going to give you a stone. If, if I'm evil, I know how to give good things to my kids. You can rest assured, and I've heard this too. I've, Lord, help me. I've heard believers say, well, I'm not, I don't, you know, I, I want to be filled with the Spirit, but I'm just not sure. You can trust your Heavenly Father. So I can tell you one thing. If my son asks me for something, with everything that's in my power, if it's something he needs, I'm going to give it to him. And I wouldn't switch it up on him for nothing. And you're looking at a man who was born a sinner. And if I can tell you that, being mere flesh, how much more confidence can we have in our Father in heaven? If I look up to him and say, fill me with your spirit, I'm not going to receive anything. He will turn heaven upside down. You know, you know, you've got to be careful what you open yourself up to. Not when you're dealing with God, you don't. If you're seeking to be filled with Him, 
Don't seek a gift. Seek the giver. Just ask God to fill you with his spirit. Well, what's going to happen? I don't know. That's between the Holy Spirit and you. It has nothing to do with me. Well, I don't want to act like this. Well, you won't then. You won't. You should, I'm sure. Every time the Holy Spirit's ever done anything in my life, I never felt like jumping in the middle of the crowd and letting the whole world know about it. It was a very personal, intimate thing that God was doing in me. It was like a dove. Very, very gentle. He could, with his breath, annihilate me. He knows that. He knows that we're but dust. He breathes the wrong way. Gordon's gone. He is very gentle with me, with you, with us. He's the comforter. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. We know that you sit at the Father's right hand because the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, fulfilling the Feast of Pentecost. We thank you, Lord, for your comfort. I pray today that you would, by your Holy Spirit, help us to be comforted. You are here, present today, desiring to comfort our hearts. We could look around and find many reasons to be troubled. Some of us wouldn't have to look far. Some of us are in the midst of trouble right now. But you would say to us today, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You have a home. I'm coming again. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You know the Father. You can ask anything in my name, I'll give it. You know the Holy Spirit. Lord, you have given us everything we need your redemptive plan is complete this morning. Would you, would you please take from any of our hearts uh, this sense of searching and longing and wishing and wondering if there's something around the bend when we have everything we need in you? Lord, teach us just to rest and to sit at your feet and to realize that you've done it. It's finished. And just allow you by your spirit to minister to our hearts and our lives. Lord, encourage your people today. I pray that you would fill them with your love as you abide within us, Lord. Let us know your fellowship in a real and a powerful way, each one of us. Lord, may we love you by keeping your commandments and stay in your word. Lord, we ask today that you would manifest yourself to us, each and every one of us. Lord, as this week goes on, I pray that every one of us, before we meet again next week, that we would know you more than we know you right now. That we're closer to you then than we are right now. As we continue to walk with you, Lord, I ask you, fill us with your spirit. To the overflowing, Lord, we thank you that the spirit is with us. We thank you, Lord, when we're born again, he is in us. We thank you that he comes upon us to empower us to do whatever you ask us to do in your name. 
So we praise you today, and we pray that your word would accomplish what you sent it for. In Jesus' name, amen.